This podcast is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free online resource for health professionals' education. Visit openpediatrics.org for more. Hemoptysis Overview and Management by Dr. Amit Euler. Hello, my name is Amit Euler. I'm a medicine and pediatric trained pulmonologist at Boston Children's Hospital and director of the Adult Cystic Fibrosis Program at the combined Boston Children's Hospital and Brigham Women's Hospital CF Center. And today I would like to talk to you on the topic of hemoptysis. I have no disclosures or any conflicts regarding this topic. As you may know, hemoptysis is referred to as bleeding from the lower airway. It can range from being a minor concern to an emergent life-threatening event. For the patient, family member, guardian, as well as the responding provider, hemoptysis can be accompanied by significant anxiety, which can hamper management. Thus, the responding provider needs to be prepared ahead of time when responding. This overview will hopefully provide you with the understanding and acute management of hemoptysis to help prepare you as you respond to a hemoptysizing patient, particularly since an air of calm may help with management. First, the patient case. You receive a page to see a patient with bright red blood hemoptysis. The patient is known to have cystic fibrosis, a genetically inherited autosomal recessive disease that is associated with chronic progressive lung disease and gastrointestinal manifestations, who is admitted for intravenous antibiotics. She reportedly produced several ounces of blood when she got up to go to the bathroom, and she's now continued to bring up tablespoons of blood with subsequent coughing episodes. She's an 18-year-old female with cystic fibrosis. She has severe lung disease. She's on IV antibiotics currently due to a chronic infection with Pseudomonas aeruginosa. She has elevated serum fungal markers and currently is on an antifungal medication called voriconazole. She also is diagnosed with allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis, as well as cultures intermittently positive for aspergillus fumigatus. She is also status post right upper lobectomy due to chronic focal disease several years ago. She has CF-related diabetes that's in good control and CF-related arthritis on hydroxychloroquine and, as needed, Celebrex. She has protein calorie malnutrition and has a G2 placed. So now let's look at the differential reviving hemoptysis first. Airway disease is the most common source of bleeding from the lower airway. Acute lower respiratory infections are the most common cause, including pneumonia and bronchitis, whether acute or chronic, as well as tuberculosis. Bronchiectasis due to cystic fibrosis or primary ciliary dyskinesia, as well as tuberculosis, are the most common cause of bronchiectasis in the U.S., Progressive lung disease from bronchiectasis, whether CF or non-CF related, can lead to angiogenesis and formation of collaterals with tortuous arteries eroding into the airway, predominantly triggered by infection or inflammation, with bronchial artery being the major source. Tracheal bronchial tumors such as carcinoid, bronchial adenoma, mediastinal teratomas, mucoepidermoid carcinoma, and papillomatosis, as well as metastatic cancer of bronchus or trachea. Bronchovascular fistula, for example, aneurytic aneurysm eroding into the airway, or dilophoid disease, which is known uh, to be from subepithelial bronchial artery. Foreign body aspiration, which may not be recognized for days or longer, so this should be in differential even if unclear history. Airway trauma associated with the endotracheal tube or trach with granulation tissue is another source, if consistent with history. Another source is the pulmonary parenchyma or bleeding that originates from the lung parenchyma. 
Infection is still one of the most common reasons for hemoptysis from the pulmonary parenchyma with tuberculosis and fungal process on top of the list of culprits, as well as influenza and other organisms listed. Pulmonary contusion from blunt trauma can also cause bleeding. It may look like faint patchy consolidation that can resolve relatively quickly on a chest x-ray. Immune complex disease like Hinux-Shangla and purpura, capillaritis and vasculitis can be a rare cause of hemoptysis as well with neutrophilic invasion and necrosis of the alveolar capillary walls. And drugs may also be implicated in vasculitis like phenytoin or propylthiouracil. Idiopathic pulmonary hemosiderosis is rare and is associated with bleeding without evidence of vasculitis and typically associated with hemosiderin-laden macrophages on BAL fluid or bronchoalveolar lavage fluid obtained from bronchoscopy. Also, there's lupus, good pastures, Bechet's disease, and Heiner syndrome. Genetic defects of collagen like Ehlers-Danlos can also lead to hemoptysis. Pulmonary vascular disease is another category of causing hemoptysis and either has to do with disorders directly affecting the pulmonary vessels or affects the pressure within the vessels. Congenital heart disease may account for 4.5% of hemoptysis coming to the emergency room and up to 25% of cases at pediatric tertiary care centers. For example, pulmonary veno-occlusive disease, post-capillary pulmonary hypertension, left-sided obstructive lesions like mitral stenosis. Congestive heart failure, particularly left-sided heart disease with pulmonary edema, is another possibility. And atherosclerotic bronchial artery plaques. Pulmonary embolism is rare in children under the age of 15, but still something to consider in adolescents presenting with dyspnea, pleuritic pain, cough, and hemoptysis, particularly when localized to bronchopulmonary anastomosis. Pulmonary AVMs or vascular anomalies with or without heredity disorder, like hereditary hemorrhagic telangiectasias. Coagulopathy can also lead to bleeds. Endocarditis may be another possibility, along with portal vein occlusion, pulmonary hypertension, bronchial or pulmonary artery aneurysms, as well as aortic pseudoaneurysms. What are some other miscellaneous causes? Cocaine is one that needs to be considered on the differential, and thus obtaining a good social history is critical. Diffuse alveolar hemorrhage can also be associated with bone marrow transplant patients. There's also catamenial hemoptysis, which is due to intrathoracic endometriosis, though usually presents with bleeding into the pleural space. Hydatid cyst is on the differential, as well as other miscellaneous causes like nitrogen dioxide toxicity from indoor ice skating rinks and zambonis with faulty propane tanks. Drugs like amiodarone, penicillamine, some pesticides, um, and exposures to alkaloid-contaminated cooking oil. And you also have to consider factitious source of bleed or Munchausen's. So the proper diagnosis of hemoptysis requires a detailed medical history, such as choking or coughing or wheezing, and physical examination, including the oral cavity, lung, and heart. You first need to differentiate between respiratory versus a GI source. Uh, for example, respiratory source can be consistent with a frothy alkaline pH, as opposed to GI symptoms or GI source being associated with coffee ground uh, appearing uh, hemoptysis and acidic pH. You also want to get blood work, a chest x-ray, and a high-risk CT scan, which is sensitive in detecting lesions not that visualized by a chest x-ray, but it can be a high source of radiation. Now back to the case. CF is the most common cause of pediatric hemoptysis, and most common causes are due to airway infection and inflammation, due to markedly enlarged tortuous bronchial arteries with development of collaterals in proximity to the bronchi. 
So questions asked to the nurse on your way to seeing the patient. What are the current vitals, the hemodynamics of the patient? You'll want to know the heart rate and blood pressure, the respiratory rate and oxygen saturation. And if these aren't available, ask them to be obtained as you're on your way. So ask, what is the underlying diagnosis? Cystic fibrosis is most common, but infection and cardiovascular disease are second and third most common, respectively. What is the volume of the bleed? There's no consensus in degree of hemoptysis in children, but in the CF literature, scant hemoptysis is usually less than 5 cc's, mild to moderate is 5 to 240 cc's, with massive hemoptysis being over 240. However, this is up to the discretion of the provider. There are obviously, these are not precise and is based on the size of children, thus clinical judgment is needed for management. As you remember, our patient is 18 years old and a female with cystic fibrosis and severe lung disease. She has multiple admissions per year for exacerbations, and she already has a history of hemoptysis, and she's undergone bronchial artery embolizations four times in the last two years. You arrive to the patient's room. First thing you want to do is check the ABCs, airway, breathing, and circulation. Your most important next objective is to protect the airway, provide oxygenation, and stop the bleeding and maintain volume. Death mostly from asphyxiation, not exsanguination. Check placement on monitor and review vitals, IV access, ideally two sites, provide oxygen, and make sure the appropriate personnel in the room and that only essential personnel are in the room. Respiratory status with respiratory rate and oxygen saturation assess degree of compromise. And if the bleeding persists or airway is compromised, maintain airway with largest endotracheal tube available with high PEEP. Non-invasive ventilation is controversial in this setting. Try to identify the side that's bleeding, either by speaking to the patient or potentially from your physical exam. Position patient depending on which side is bleeding down. Check hemodynamics, heart rate and blood pressure, ensure patient not in hypovolemic shock and provide IV fluids as indicated, as well as type screen and type and cross in order to provide uh, blood if necessary. Control the bleeding. For those on warfarin, heparin products, and newer factor 10A agents, reversal agents like vitamin K, protamine sulfate, and 10A reversal agents may be needed, as well as fresh frozen plasma. For those on aspirin, Plavix, patient might benefit from platelet transfusion. And always make sure to stop any medications that are causing the patient to bleed further, and in this case, the patient is taking Celebrex for her arthritis. Err on the side of caution when calling the ICU stat, based on degree of hemoptysis and your clinical judgment. Also call interventional radiology to alert them of possible need for a bronchial artery embolization, even if it's unclear that they will need to do so. This can help them mobilize the necessary resources. In the patient's room, you want to do a physical exam. Look at distress level, their shortness of breath and anxiety. Do an oral exam and look for missing teeth or bleeding from the oral cavity. Look for telinjectasias of the lip, tongue, and buccal mucosa. Is there bleeding from her nares? Inspect the chest for signs of blunt trauma, bruising, or swelling, and observe chest expansion for asymmetry. Auscultation for localized wheezing for, for foreign body, pleural rubs for pneumonia, or bruise or thrills for arteriovenous malformations, as well as heart murmurs. Listen to the heart, and particularly for a second heart sound, which might indicate a pulmonary hypertension, or a diastolic murmur consistent with mitral stenosis. Look at the extremities. Look for digital clumbing as a possible sign for underlying disease, splinter hemorrhages concerning for endocarditis. 
look at the skin and observe for color for paleness, cyanosis, bruising, ecchymosis, and petechiae, telangiectasias, hemangiomas, as well as needle tracts. And as we talked about before, inspect the sputum. If it's a pulmonary source, it'll appear bright red or rust-colored, frothy with an alkaline pH if you're able to check that. For a gastric source, look for a coffee ground appearing in the blood with food particles and an acidic pH. While for bleeding from the nose or epistaxis, it may be difficult to differentiate between the two. Now you want to look at the patient history. Has this patient presented with hemoptysis before? And if so, have they undergone bronchoalveolar embolization? And if so, what arteries and with what frequency? Can the patient also localize the site of bleeding by describing a gurgling sensation or chest pain or discomfort? Patient description of where this is, these sensations are coming from is best way to lateralize the bleed. Portable chest x-ray or chest CT may localize bleed if lucky and perform promptly. Is there associated chest pain, shortness of breath, suggesting a pneumothorax or a PE? And what were the preceding events? Fevers, chills, history of trauma travel to suggest a DVT or PE, history of nose bleeding, epistaxis with postnasal drip, history of vomiting and nausea, cough-induced emesis leading to Mallory Weiss tears. Social history. You want to elicit a drug history from the patient, including cocaine and other inhalational drugs. For example, a post-transplant patient presented with first-time acute hemoptysis and tox screen was uh, positive for cocaine, as we're also looking for infectious causes. Medications look for those that impair bleeding like aspirin, NSAIDs, anticoagulants if being treated for a DVT. Those that cause diffuse alveolar bleeding like penicillin-like antibiotics or propylthiouracil or amiodarone. As far as blood work, you want to get a CBC with differential to assess hematocrit and indications of infection, coagulation studies such as INR and PTT to rule out coagulation disorder. You want to type in cross in case of need for transfusion. ESR and CRP, these are tests to look for systemic inflammation and infection. A brain natriotic peptide or BMP of concern for heart failure and urinalysis to look for hematuria and pulmonary renal syndromes. D-dimer is helpful if suspicion for PE is high and not very helpful in cystic fibrosis patients, but can reflect the degree of thrombosis. Sputum samples sent for culture and sensitivity, bacteria, fungus, mycobacteria. Also send beta-D-glucan and galactamanin if you're suspecting fungal disease, and as well as fungal serologies. Outside of CF, consider sending for diffuse alveolar hemorrhage workup. A chemistry looking at BUN creatinine, urinalysis, ANA, ANCA, anti-GBM, antiphospholipid. Consider also a sweat test if the patient doesn't have an underlying diagnosis of CF and you suspect it. Genetic studies for PCD or primary ciliary dyskinesia. Also consider von Willebrand factor and sputum and BL culture for tuberculosis and non-tuberculous mycobacteria. For imaging, you want to get a chest x-ray. This will help identify the location of bleeding potentially and assess for infiltrates, parenchyma abnormalities, heart enlargement, atelectasis, pneumothorax, and neoplasms. In many cases, a plain film is insufficient to identify the location of bleeding, and one-third of hemoptysizing children and adults will have normal or stable appearing chest x-rays. A chest CTA or CT angiogram. This will help look for bronchial artery vasculature as well as vascular malformations, PE, or parenchyma abnormalities, and thus consider this when obtaining a chest CT. An echocardiogram can assess for structural abnormalities, right heart strain, and well, as well as assess for pulmonary hypertension. 
A lung biopsy may be needed in children presenting with diffuse alveolar hemorrhage, even if vasculitis serologies are negative. Once again, medications. Stop the NSAIDs, aspirin, and other precipitating meds, and in this case, Celebrex. Consult hematology if the patient's unclear has an unclear coagulopathy. For those with CF, hold Dornase Alpha or Palmazyme, hypertonic saline, chest PT, inhaled antibiotics, but it is okay to use albuterol and other bronchodilators. In patients with less than 5 mLs or moderate hemoptysis, this and potentially antibiotics may be enough and treat an underlying cause. For major hemoptysis or continuous bleeds, attempt to localize the bleed, as we stated before, and place the bleeding side down. Reversal of any coagulation concern, and the patient may need to be secured with an endotracheal tube and potentially with selective intubation to isolate the bleeding lung. Bronchoscopy is very rarely performed emergently in cystic fibrosis unless the patient is already intubated. It may help with evaluation and control of bleeding, but there is very good consensus on the inability of bronchoscopy to lateralize the bleed and avoid delay in more definitive therapy. In non-CF, some studies suggest both rigid bronchoscopy and flexible bronchoscopy to be performed sequentially, since rigid also allows for better control of airway and suctioning large clots and mucus plugs as well as removal of foreign bodies. While doing a bronchoscopy, you can use vasoconstrictors like epinephrine in 1 to 20,000 dilution or vasopressin. You can also use inhaled thrombin or fibrinogen thrombin combination, um, especially if epinephrine fails. Ice saline, not always recommended as it can sometimes make things worse, but it has been successfully used by some. Balloon tamponade, uh, this is a way of uh, tamponading the bleed. However, there's risk to the airway and risk of ischemic injury. Laser, electrocautery, argon plasma coagulation, and cryotherapy are also potential therapies in the right hands. Another step in evaluation might be bronchial, pulmonary, and or systemic arteriography. A pulmonary source represents 10% of bleeds in non-CF, for example, AVMs, but opposite is true with CF. Bronchial artery embolization is an option through interventional radiologists. Targeted versus diffuse embolization, including the left and right internal mammaries and other collaterals, including inferior thyroid arteries, is critical in identifying the source of bleeding. Identify the bleeding vessel with selective embolization with options like absorbable gelatin sponge, coils, and polyvinyl alcohol particles. However, there's risks to embolization. These include uh, embolizing the spinal artery and uh, causing a stroke via vertebral artery. Thus, much work takes place mapping the course of the bronchial arteries and important to be careful at bifurcations as particles used in embolization can reflux out of the target vessel and into a vessel at risk. Recurrent bleeding after bronchial artery embolization is not uncommon. A more detailed discussion on BAE can be found elsewhere. Other interventions include systemic treatments such as TXA, or tranexamic acid, amicar, DDAVP, or inhaled thrombin or fibrinogen thrombin, and inhaled tranexamic acid. TXA and amicar decrease plasmid formation and fibrinolysis by inhibiting plasminogen receptors. TXA and amicar reduce degree and persistence of bleed, but does not prevent re-bleeding if underlying etiology not resolved or better. Etanolol or other beta blockers studied in a small subset of patients with refractory persistent bleeding in cystic fibrosis showed some benefit, perhaps in its role reducing blood pressure and anti-angiogenesis. Surgery is also something to be considered. 
Lobectomy or pneumonectomy are another option in refractory bleeds. For some centers, this may be a contraindication for subsequent lung transplant. ECMO consultation might be necessary, extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, and those with reversible etiology of hemoptysis and also as a bridge to transplant. And this is also discussed elsewhere. So in summary, red flags, calling to ICU and code blue, you want to make sure that you can differentiate between minor and small bleeding events. Massive or brisk bleeding are anyone with over 100 cc's or up to 1,000 cc's in 24 hours or at a persistent 100 cc per hour rate. And for kids, greater than 8 cc's per kilogram in 24 hours. You want to look for hemodynamic compromise, abnormal gas exchange, and always do your ABCs and remember asphyxiation, not exsanguination, results in death and thus secure an airway and localize your bleed. Secure at least two IVs and call ICU stat and also remember to call interventional radiology since you may need their assistance. Thank you. This has been a production of Open Pediatrics. To hear more podcasts like this one, visit openpediatrics.org.